Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and our catching up with feature, old friend of the show. I guess I'm calling him old too, but dear old friend of the show, even older friend of mine, that would be the incomparable William Theodore Ribs. Thinking about Willie T, thinking about his dad, Bunny Ribs, also uh, William T. Ribs as well. Here in the Bay Area, definitely well known for his road racing skills. And just wanted to catch up with Willie, learn a little bit more about Bunny, being the son of a race car driver. Something that I know about and mentioned briefly in our discussion, but knowing that for Willie T, second generation african-american race car driver it's something that is rather rather amazing and unique in our world so i just thought that might be a great thing for us to spend a few minutes discussing and then wanted to close talking about someone who had a great impact on him once he learned about him that being joey ray among a handful of african-american open wheel racing pioneers never got a chance to compete at the indy 500 was not allowed once Willie T learned about him, as you might see in the documentary Uppity, he and Joey became fast friends, and Joey represented something far bigger than Willie T. And so, wanted to celebrate Joey this month, want to celebrate Willie at all times, but wanted to celebrate his dad, Bunny, uh, who's no longer with us, unfortunately. These two men who were so important to a dear friend wanted to learn about them, pay respects, get some insights about how they helped shape and mold young William Theodore Ribs, and also that guy who 30 years ago made a little bit of history at the Indianapolis 500. So got 10, 12 minutes are catching up with shows. They aren't meant to be long, just meant to check in with friends. So let's get rolling with the man, William Theodore Ribs here, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and torontomotorsports.com. I thought it might be interesting, Willie, to open talking about your father because it, it occurred to me however long ago, I'm a second generation racer. My father, an amateur racer, I grew up in that environment. For kids who look like me, not a big surprise. You're among all the things that make you rare, my friend. You're a second generation racer as well. And I know that at least in African-American families, that indeed not as common as what I experienced. Your father's background racing motorcycles, racing sports cars in the SCCA here in the Bay Area. What did that mean? I was born into it because... Before I was born, my dad was racing flat track, and, uh, and in fact, that's where he became friends with Joe Leonard. Known as the craziest of the crazies in terms of racing. Yeah, so my dad raced flat track. And, uh, you know, they had track, they had, of course, the fairgrounds in San Jose. They even used to race in Belmont on that dirt track where the horses are. Yes. Dad, my dad raced in, raced there and he raced up in Santa Rosa. I mean, you know, after he got to a certain age, uh, four wheels, you know, he had some kids. So he decided he was going to go to four wheels and start racing sports cars and that's all I knew. You know, I, of course, we had the family business, so it was race cars in the garage. And it was my dad's buddies who came over and worked on their race cars at my dad's place. Because my, my family had enough property where you could put, you know, a dozen race cars, right? So, you know, a lot of my dad's friends who owned race cars brought them to my dad's property and they'd work on them there. And, you know, so that was 
and I was always around race cars. I was talking to Franz Weiss last week. Famed engine builder. VDS. Yes. Okay. And you know, Franz, I don't have to tell you his history. Franz Weiss told me, he says, I was at your dad's house when you were eight years old. I could not believe it. And he says, I know, he said, he's called me Billy. He said, Billy, I know you since you was eight years old. <laughs> he says, I was at your dad's house picking up a race car. That's how far, that's the pedigree. That's been my pedigree uh, in the sport. And I love that about, I mean, your dad, nickname Bunny, your dad, this is before my time. So this is me growing up and learning and reading and, and hearing about, but your dad in the Bay area in particular was well known in amateur racing circles and was just part of the San Francisco region's uh, history and such. I know at least for my little life, looking up at my dad, who was about six, one, six, two, looking up at him in his, you know, race suit and helmet and climbing into cars when I was a little kid. Yeah, I saw that picture. I, I just looked at him and he, he was a hero. He that was picture a, was in Monterey, right? Yeah, I believe so. I was, I, I had no idea. I thought, holy shit. <laughs> he never told me. What was it like looking up, seeing your dad in that way? You know, my dad was damn fast. I mean, he'd uh, been on the pole in, in several races. I remember we were down in Phoenix. He was out in front. We were up in Kent, Washington. He was out in front. And he ran the G-modified division, which was like Elvis and Lotus 23s. Yep. And, you know, and he was racing against Harry Banna and Frank Moniz. And I remember these guys as kids and they were rivals, right? That's when, uh, you know, I, he became friends with drivers who died like Bart Martin and Dave Ridenhauer. And I, I remember I, for him to be in it was really exciting. And it was without that experience in my life, there would have never been a Willie T. Ribs in racing. No question. No doubt about it. I would never would have thought of or discovered the career that I was in love with without that exposure. If we think about what folks learned about you and Uppity, Willie, they got to see a country that wasn't always ready for you to be who you were in a profession where there weren't many like you. What was it like, as you recall, seeing or hearing for your dad decades before your own experiences? You know, he, if there was issues when I was younger, I, I never saw it because he never complained about it. I, I never saw, I never saw any particular blatant racism directed towards him however he was on the west coast he was doing the west coast series he was as far as kent washington all the way to phoenix right and everything in between a lot of races in katati a lot of races in monterey um stockton i mean pebble beach um, before they shut it down so that was he only did maybe a half a dozen to eight races a year at the most mm. that uh, half a dozen you know he developed a reputation you know he had a reputation for being uh, a fast driver and my, my dad was he was a very good mechanic and he was a very good very good mechanic i mean and he could build anything great uh, engineering skills and a lot of the drivers 
you know, would uh, uh, seek his services as well. So, you know, his reputation got around that, you know, he was uh, uh, sharp. He was smart at what he, uh, at the craft. So pivoting Willie from growing up with the father in racing, if we're talking cult legends among African-American race car drivers, not the ones who might be known for something in NASCAR or, you know, a couple of the small tales here or there. I mean, if we're really talking a known within the community, but not necessarily widely outside the community, Joey Ray is that trailblazer, that pioneer going back little bit after your dad was born when did you first learn about joey ray and come to understand his accomplishments and achievements i wasn't aware of joey ray until i got into indycar it was later in my career you know of course joey joey ray was in the midwest predominantly midget yeah midgets and and back in indycar ish type era uh the golden glory series of course yeah glory glory and and i didn't know anything about that golden glory i didn't know any i didn't know it until i got uh, about joey ray and then i learned more and more and i inquired why didn't i hear about joey ray I heard about Wendell Scott before I started racing, but I never heard of Joey Ray. And I, I, it really, I felt actually cheated because why was he not talked about, right? Why was he a hidden figure, which he was when I learned about him? I realized that Joey Ray should have been the first African-American to race in Indy 500. He should have been the guy, the first. That's how good he was. He would have been in the show easily. Yeah, given uh, the right equipment, but he wasn't allowed then. And I said that, and I said that to him. And when he visited me in night, and when he spent every day with me in 1991, leading up to the race, uh, he'd come every day to the pit, into the garage. When I qualified and got out of the car and did all the interviews and press conference, and then he was in the garage when I came in, and I said to him, I said, you know, this is really for you, because you should have been there. You should have held that. You should have that title as the first. That's how good he was. And so knowing your commitment to him just learning about him or had just recently learned about him and his story, but tell me about seeing him, seeing you, because I know that's where... This stuff can get pretty heavy, but I know that's where something very deep resonated and connected between the two of you. He had to have seen himself in you. You had to have seen a potential legacy. I know that you take pride in being the first black man to qualify and race in the Indy 500, but you also had things gone the way they should have. You should have been number two. Oh, I would have been number two, no question. And um, I knew he was very proud of my being there in the first place and being successful. And he, I could tell he was very proud. almost like an uncle. I mean, he was almost like an uncle to me when he was there. I didn't want to let him down either. I knew he knew he should have been there. And you could see it in his face. He was very cool and he was very, he gave you great energy and great feel. There was his presence, right? I I could tell that he wanted me to be in that position and wanted me to succeed. And I wanted to succeed for him. It was like, this one's for you. You know, a lot of people who 
in life feel that they should have been the chosen one, so to speak, mm. but didn't get chosen or resentful. It just uh, human nature. He was not that at all. Another thing I wonder about, Willie, and I know that uh, Joey's presence in 1991 meant so much and brought <sighs> racing's history forward to you, allowed you to include him. It was your achievement as you were the person qualifying for the Indy 500 and racing in the Indy 500. But this wasn't all about you. This was for many Joey Rays of the world who never had that opportunity. There was also a pretty cool angle to this as well. And uh, I'm actually looking at a photo. Or oh, there two. was also Charlie Wigan. Yes. He was one of the first uh, before Joey yep. to be a superstar. Uh, he was Mr. Golden Glory Sweetstakes. He really didn't get the, uh, a shot. So, you know, Charlie Wiggins, uh, Joey Ray, at the time this country was in, in those days, it seems like we've moved light years. And back when Charlie Wiggins and Joey were competing, Oh God. It was almost a dead-end street. It, not almost. It was a dead-end street. You were not going to go to the mountaintop in those days. No chance. Thanks again to Willie for taking some time here. We've probably been on the phone, I don't know how long, uh, a couple hours within the last few days talking about all manner of things. And uh, this was the one that was meant for public consumption. <laughs> a lot of the other stuff we uh, we talk about, yeah, boy, uh, that stays between us for sure. So that's what we got for you here in this episode of Catching Up With. We'll have some more, I'm hoping, next week trying to do to capture an episode with really awesome guy by the name of Pat Sullivan. We we'll certainly will have heard his voice at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Pat wrote a really awesome book called Brick by Brick about Joey Ray, and I want Pat to bring Joey to life for those of you who don't know his story. So that'll be coming up next week. I'll be speaking with IndyCar and IMS's Chief Diversity Officer, Jimmy McMillan, overseeing a lot of the important new initiatives that IMS, IndyCar, Roger Penske and his team are bringing to light and have one or two more, I, I'm hoping, one or two more guests and podcasts here before we are done with February. All right. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is our little Marshall Pruitt podcast brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>